because Big Corp won't allow they won't allow the politicians to do it. That's just what it is. What do you mean mandate? They won't allow they won't pay their workers $15 an hour? No, what I'm saying is cuz you like your point was right, we, we instead of cutting costs by, you know, de- deleting a few uh, employees or, you know, increasing the product or service price, you said to oh. um what, what we're not deleting any employees right we're, we're oh not <laughs> firing them laying them off <laughs> I mean deleting delete. them from the ecosystem this guy <laughs> welcome back to gen z speaks it's been a long time since we filmed one of these but we're back uh we were kind of busy uh snowboarding a couple weeks back we enjoyed the process but before we talk about that let me introduce our guests matt how you doing man doing great man Ready for the next timeline, next step in our timeline. Absolutely. Me too. And then Janish, how are you? Janish, you're in India, right? Yeah, I'm here for some family events. Um, doing great, man. Uh, looking forward to the new year. So, so what, 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 what motivated us to snowboard in the first place? I forgot about that. Why did we decide to snowboard in Lake Tahoe? Because we've been, wa- we've been wanting one to snowboard. Time I was just texting Matt and I was like, yeah, well, yeah, we've been going, we've been kind of wanting to do it for a while now, but I was just like, yeah, we should go. And Matt was like, sure, let's do it. Yeah. And Tahoe is the best place to snowboard right now. So we, we learned, I think we're pretty decent. All right. It was fun though. It was freaking, it was a blast. Honestly, it was, I, it, I think it's insane how they have the whole Nevada, California, like border. And you can like switch over between the two sides and they're completely different mountains right so it's like a different vibe for both so tahoe is really dope the town we stayed in heavenly you guys liked it i I liked it a lot it was really cool yeah Yeah, i like the vibe what the best part me obviously was learning snowboarding but it was also the views like on the gondolas i don't know if you remember but the first day we went it was insane like coming down that gondola right i'm saying it right yeah gondola yeah gondola it was like that's like the thing you take up the lift up right to the place to snowboard but it was it was closed ski lift yeah yeah exactly and it was just it was just uh a different experience i thought it'd be easier since you know i i do skate a little bit start to learn skating and but it wasn't easy at all (laughs) it was so hard i mean all of us were like falling but eventually you know we, we, we did pick it up and, and I'm going to stick with it because it's such, it's so expensive though. But now that we have all the stuff for it, you know, like we have to make good use of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I asked if you have T-Mobile because um, uh, there's T-Mobile Tuesdays and I went on today and um, they have 30% off ski lifts if you have T-Mobile. Really? Yeah. Wow. So yeah, for so reference, that's pretty good. Yeah. How yeah. much was it for us to go every single day? It was 160 bucks, right? Or 180 180 i think something like that yeah that excluding is excluding um our gear right? rental we rented gear yeah so it's almost so. like usually 200 bucks a day in lake tahoe to snowboard or ski and with this it'll be 30 percent off that like the initial yeah exactly go up the okay. ticket that and guys that's the expensive part right cool. it's the well, ski that- lift up that's the expensive part i mean if we booked it a month also- we, we didn't know but yeah yeah if we booked it a while yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say if we booked it a you know maybe a month or two months in advance it would have been way cheaper yeah so we know for this year we'll probably just buy an epic pass and we can go whenever we want hopefully we get gear also this year right we have to rent yeah so that'll be ideal i think it was a good decision to do snowboard first because i think snowboarding is harder than skiing i think someone told us skiing is easier to pick up but harder to master 
and snowboarding is harder to pick up but easy to master right yeah for sure so it was a good decision yeah i enjoyed every single bit of it i mean just like honestly enjoying the snow for a change you get so used to the heat in la was like so relaxing and soothing so it was cool i definitely recommend it to people to try it out at least for once it was a blast yeah well aside from that quick little update so i know a couple of podcasts ago i said that i was car shopping oh that's right yeah you got a new car tell us yeah i got a i got a beamer i got the new 2022 430i m package yes sir so yeah what respectfully that's awesome, man. What? Tell us the. Show us a picture real quick. I mean, people in, who yeah. are hearing this obviously can't see it, but you know, right, okay. those are watching the video. You can see it. Um, let me share my screen with it. Um, sure. Or yeah, should I just works. show you the picture? On my you can phone. show us the picture. Too. Whatever works. Sure that, that works. Yeah. All right, I'll just show you on my phone. Woo! Yeah, baby. Nice. That that looks yeah. sick, man. That's amazing. Uh, how it rip, thank you, bro. rip, Matt, dude. It's, it's badass. I will say it's badass. Red interior. It's freaking nice, man. It's, it's red interior. Red interior. Oh, let's go, dude. Bro. Honestly, like I feel, it's like it's weird, right? Like I just turned twenty-one, and I feel like so blessed. I'm able to afford this type of car, right? And like, like comfortably afford it. And so, it's just it's a really good feeling, man. And like. It gives you like the motivation to want to do more, right? I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm just figuring out new things to do every day, trying to make more money. And like, it kind of gives you that motivation to go ahead and, and find other avenues to make more money. Right. So it's, it's awesome. I feel good. Yeah. I think the biggest thing with like buying expensive stuff is if it gives you self gratification, like it is, then it's a good buy, you know? Yeah. So it's good that you bought it for yourself, you know, and that you're using sure. that as motivation in your other project. So it's a good buy um that's crazy uh all right let's dive right into what we want to talk about we want to talk about again i I know where we talk about covid quite a bit on the podcast because we kind of have to it's still in the news it's all over the place um i don't enjoy talking about it i'm honestly tired i have severe pandemic fatigue i'm tired of it uh but we'll talk about it we'll talk about um the omicron variant um the the economic outlook for 2022 and kind of you know, looking at uh, the Dow index and NASDAQ and, and seeing how they're trending and, and, and what we think or where at least, uh, you know, we think the economic outlook, going. right? Yeah. In general. Yeah. And then um, what else, we, what else are you going to talk about? Oh, we're also going to talk about just a couple anecdotes, um, but we're also going to bring up the whole metaverse and how people are now buying physical properties, not physical, but virtual properties in a virtual world and land and, how it's just progressing so far. I think it's honestly, I think it's progressing extremely fast, right? Since it's been, I think it's one of those things that's progressed really fast from the start date. And um, I just, it's insane to me. So we'll get, we'll jump into it. Yeah. It's so exciting that I kind of want to talk about it immediately because COVID is so boring <laughs> to talk about what we have to. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll get to it as soon as we can. So COVID, you know, we had a million cases here in the United States uh, right as Janish left, <laughs> COVID kind of took over the U.S., man. Janish was the one, uh, as, as soon as he left, you know, the COVID came. So I was the catalyst. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a million cases. So the cases are obviously on the uptick. Uh, a lot of people are getting Omicron because it's much more infectious. But I just want to kind of throw out some statistics that I thought were interesting to look at. Out of every 100,000 COVID cases, 
among the age group of, uh, you know, zero to 17 in these last two years, according to the latest information that I saw, there, there have been 678 deaths. Obviously, you know, one death is far too many, but statistically, you know, 99.984% of people in the age group of zero to 17 don't die from COVID. So, you know, again, this disease still remains to, for the most part, affect people who are 50 and older or people who have pre-existing conditions, or obviously, as we know now, people who have, you know, who are overweight or obese, people who are obese accounted for 40 to 50% of COVID-19 deaths. I mean, think about that. And I feel like the problem with discussing COVID is wearing the mask obviously is important and all those other precautions, but nobody talks about how do we increase our immunity and how we actually get healthy. Like I haven't heard Dr. Fauci tell the American people to go to the gym or to, you know, take morning runs as much as he talks about the mask. And I feel like that's shaming. That can like literally save your life. If you lose weight, if you're overweight or obese, and if you significantly try to lose your weight, you can be protected against COVID much more than if you, you know, maybe wear a double mask. I mean, I, I, I feel like, let me take that back. I'm not going to compare the two, but it's just better to lose the weight and exercise. I think we, all of us should, we're one of the most obese nations in the world and no one talks about it. It's just sad in my opinion. So, you know, what, 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 so what do you yeah, guys think you know, we go from here? Also. Mm-hmm. Oh no! I would just like to add to that also that eating, you know, eating healthy, you know, uh, getting your vitamins in, all that stuff is, you know, inherent for a strong immune system that can really help people um, against any variants of COVID. Yeah, for sure. I, I think. I mean, I think eating healthy is generally important. Uh, I think working out is extremely important. I don't honestly. If it's not just for, because obviously everybody has different body types, right? And if it's not for like, you know, say you're already fit even, um, it's not even for that. It's just for like the mental aspect of it. I think it really helps people like mentally kind of like, you know, just deal with shit and just like kind of go about your life and, you know, working out is just like a good um, like refresher for the day, I think. Uh, but I mean, yeah, for sure. I, I think also real quick about the obesity thing. I want to mention, so they measure obesity based on BMI, right? And so BMI all isn't always fat. So there's people that are extremely in shape that are considered over obese. And so I think that's kind of interesting too. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how much that affects the, like the skew of, of the results or anything, but I think it's important to take into, into consideration as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say like work out, you know, I feel like work you out. Know, having, so like having had COVID, I feel like and hearing from people who've gotten the virus. One of my friends got it again. So you can definitely get it twice as well. Um, and he was fully vaccinated. Um, I think one of the problems, I lost my train of thought, but I, what I was trying to say is that a lot of the problem is that if you're, if you're just an unhealthy person, unfortunately, COVID is just going to be that much worse for you. But if you're healthy and, and you know, even if you're a little older and healthy, it doesn't affect you as much because the virus attacks your weak spots, wherever those might be and they're just going to get more aggravated if you maintain your unhealthy habits. In terms of the vaccination rates, you know, uh, 66% of people in California are fully vaccinated, 66%. And I believe 78% of people in the United States have received at least one dose of the vaccine. 
And so I don't know if, it, if it's going to get any better than this in terms of the vaccination levels, right? And um, again, like the hospitalizations seem to be overwhelmed because a lot of people in hospitals who are supposed to provide for, the, for these people, for patients like doctors, nurses are getting COVID. And so that's why when the news like tries to like, you know, scare us, a lot of the mainstream media, it's because people are not there to treat the patients because they themselves are getting COVID. It's not that hospitalization levels are rising for children. They're rising because I think usually pediatric hospitals are, do not have as much staff as other hospitals. So uh, COVID deaths are, they have not significantly increased. They're kind of steady, if not decreasing since the vaccination uh, began. So if you're vaccinated, you know, the likelihood is you're going to survive and make it out of the pandemic well. But I think the main, my main takeaway from this, I'm, I'm kind of so, like I said, tired of talking about this is that uh, this pandemic is going to become endemic. It's going to stay with us and we just need to learn how to live with it. This is the new normal. So, you know, if you want to wear your mask, continue to wear your mask. Obviously it can protect you against the virus. Uh, if you want to get vaccinated, you can, it will protect you against the virus, but like the lockdown measures and like for a lot of universities thinking about shifting classes for the spring to completely online makes zero sense to me because at this point we know how to deal with this pandemic. There is a solution out there. And if people are not following the solution, you know, we can't do anything about it. You know, we, we don't need to suffer the people who are taking the precautions. So last thoughts, what do you like, how do we move forward? from the omicron variant because it's going to continue to mutate you know there's no 100 percent. honestly like, just, I, I don't um if you wait we're not ahead. moving on i think we just you know as you know you just get get the vaccine um if you want i mean i'm not gonna say anything but get the i recommend you get the vaccine and then just you know just you know be safe wash your hands and stuff and this is just like the cold or flu or any other virus just live you know you do we just got to learn to adapt and live with it you know um yeah but i would I, I would like to add that the whole whole thing with the schools is complete yes and um a lot of that universities are are also requiring everybody to be vaccinated especially well mine is for sure and if you're if we're vaccinated all the students are vaccinated all the staff is vaccinated I don't see the problem for going in person, um, you know, so. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't, I, I don't, I don't have any recommendations for anybody because it doesn't really matter to me what anybody else does. Um, of course it's important to, you know, be safe and all, but it's been two years. Like, let's be real. Like people are going to do what they're going to do regardless. And it's not for me to justify whether somebody is right for getting a vaccine or not. There doesn't matter what I say, right. Who's Matt Gutierrez in this big world. Um, but what I will say is it's 100%. We just need to learn to live with it. That's just, that's what it is. I mean, if we think about the cold and the flu, it's the exact same process, right? I mean, there's way more deaths from the cold and the flu every year than they are, than there are COVID. And so it's, it's like, do we learn to live with it and understand that it's just a virus that's, that's going to be around and, you know, there's not much we can do with it. Um, I, I think that's the result, right? I, I don't think there's going to be an end to it. I think it's, We'll just continue on and on and like it is what it is. Yeah, one last thing I will say is there's a, I was reading a new study and according to it, students are doing so much worse in reading and math, like high school students and public school students and students across the board are doing worse than they were in 2019. And the pandemic has severely 
affected their learning abilities. And we know that remote learning, you know, is obviously not as, not as effective as in-person learning. So we should also, policymakers, please keep that in mind before you decide to lock down the entire school over uh, the, the virus, which, again, does not severely affect young people if they're healthy. So Exactly, dude. These people, I mean, some, some of these kids in elementary school, a lot of them, they're not, they're not doing so hot, right? Because they're not learning as effectively. I mean, because they're at home, you know? I mean, when, when you're at home, you don't feel like the urge to, to learn. You know what I mean? I don't know if it happens to you guys, but even when I was in college, like when I was at home, I had like low, low motivation to, you know, study and to do homework. But while I'm at school, like I felt on it, right? Like when I was dorming, I felt on it. Like I need to study. I need to be on it. But when I'm at home, it's like, yeah, I kind of just want to hang out. I kind of want to like, you know, work or, or, you know, watch a movie or like go hang out with friends or like whatever, whatever I want to do just to like, let the, um, like take, take the weight off my shoulders because I'm, I'm home from school for the week or whatever it is. But yeah, I, I think, um, it, it's definitely not good for kids if it's, if that happened to like a college student. Right. And also man, the isolation of it all, like not being able to see your teachers or your friends, like it severely affects your mental health. Like I talked about this on the last podcast, you know, when I got COVID, you know, I felt the loneliest that I'd ever been in that hotel room, right. Isolated for eight or 10 days. Um, and yeah. And also it's been two years, guys, it's been two years. I mean, that's like almost more than 2%. If we hopefully God willing live up to like 80, 90 or hundred, right. It's over 2% of our lifetime living during this pandemic. I was thinking about like the time and I was just like, you know, it's sad, in my opinion, that two years of our lives, have, as, as at least in college, have been disrupted. So I hope things get better and we kind of just like learn. Also, to live it's with not, it. mm -hmm. I was just going to say, also, it's not even just about, you know, not seeing your teacher's friends. It's also about making new friends, you know, meeting new people. You can't even do that now, you know, and that was a big part of the college experience. You know, you get to meet new people. You get to connect with uh, people from different aspects of life. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even think about that. I feel like we have such low expectations that I didn't even think about that part. So you're absolutely right, though. Uh, all right, let's move on to the economy part. Um, so, Matt, do you want to start us off on that? Yeah, for sure. So I'll just talk about the um, so three things I want to talk about I thought were really interesting. So, OK, so if, whoever wants to know the, what the Dow Jones is, is you'll hear all the time on the news, the Dow, the Dow, the Dow, the Dow is up, the Dow is down. And everybody thinks it's like this big thing, right? Which it is. I mean, it's, it's right. I, I mean, technically it's a top 20 companies in the United States um, performance wise, right? Doesn't mean that it's the most important, right? That the S and P 500 is the top 500 companies in the United States, which is exponentially more important. And that's why everyone says invest in the S and P. If, if you don't know how to invest S you know, invest in the S and P ETF um, and just, you know, collect your 10% residual a year which is a good idea. But regardless, the Dow has the most money into it. It's almost worth $40,000 for one share, which is pretty insane. Um, but yeah, so the Dow is actually up today or, or the last few days, but the NASDAQ's been down. And what the NASDAQ is, it's the top uh, technology companies, I want to say. I mean, so, there's some companies in there that aren't really technological, but generally it is like the more advanced technology companies that are in the NASDAQ. Um, but I thought it was interesting that the NASDAQ was down because the past two years, I mean, we've had exponential rises, right, in, in technology and in um, especially just the stock market in general. People have just seen extremely um, high, pro like they see high like prospects and visions for 
where technology is taking us, which is obviously true. But um, I, there there's, hasn't been real indications for why the NASDAQ's been down. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting, what people are thinking of and what they're seeing. Um, maybe because it's tax season and people are <laughs> needed to save up. And, you know, the Dow Jones just has extremely important companies like waste management, which is just a necessity in life um, to, for somebody to pick up our trash. And, you know, those types of companies. And so the Dow will always continue to rise. NASDAQ as well in general, as well as S&P 500, it just, it's not realistic for them to drop. But I thought it was interesting that we saw that reverse there with tech down and then these base core companies up today. So, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, one other thing I thought was interesting was the, the rise in oil prices. It's like, it's getting insane. Okay. I mean, I, I, everybody knows gas prices are up, right? But since they're going to go ahead and increase supply, they're also trying to increase the price, which usually doesn't work that way. You know, when demand is high and supply is high, then the price usually stagnates. But the price per oil barrel is actually increasing to, I think, $77 a barrel. And check this out. I don't know if you guys remember, but in 2020, net, so obviously it costs money to buy an oil barrel, right? But if you compare the, the raw oil to the gas prices at our, our gas stations, net, it was down. So it, it's cheaper to buy 100 gallons worth of, of oil back then. It was cheaper. So you're actually profiting, right, if you buy it an oil barrel, which I mean, it's not realistic to do, but if you were to do so, it had been cheaper to do that then. And now it are at all time highs. So we're just seeing these exponential and like crazy turns and it doesn't make sense. Uh, I, I think everybody knows that it doesn't make sense why it's happening. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of public spending, right? A lot of consumer spending. And so there's just constant money in the market, which is part of it, but it's still ridiculous why everything continues to rise without any repercussions. What do you guys think? What do you think is happening? So on the, on the quickly on the growth stocks. Um, so the NASDAQ has been down partly because short-term interest rates, the Fed is thinking about spiking them up in order to control inflation. And again, the, the long-term treasury yields have just, you know, went up dramatically in the last year, I believe. They went up 80%. The last time I checked, the treasury yield was at, the 10-year treasury yield was at 1.52. And about a year ago, it was at 0.8. So, you know, clearly the interest rates um, are rising as, as the treasury yield continues to rise, right? That just, that's just bad news for these tech stocks who rely on, you know, low interest rates so that they can borrow money more, borrow more money, and obviously, you know, rely on their two, three, five-year plan for growth. So that's probably why, you know, why a lot do you of the think tech the stocks, Dow, um, you know, it did well. What, what, what's the, I mean, cause obviously every company relies on interest rates, right. And borrowing money, but, but. significantly tech companies do more, more so, uh, oh, really? Yeah. That's like a trend. So mm. the more, the higher, the, the treasury yield seems to be at least in the last two, three, last two years, um, the, the lower tech stocks usually go and the higher kind of like the fixed income stocks kind of go. So the Dow, I mean, the Dow is just what the accumulation of 30 of the right 30, it's 30 of the most prominent U.S. companies. I mean, Dow has been up um, in 2021. The S&P 500 index was up. NASDAQ was also up. Uh, I think Dow was about 21 percent. NASDAQ at 21 percent as well. And I think the S&P 500 index uh, produced a 28 percent uh, return. So, you know, they all did well. But you're right. You know, a lot of the growth stocks, um, you know, I don't know if people are familiar with companies like Skills or like Unity Software, 
among others. Like a lot of the ARK ETFs that I talk about a lot, a lot of the ARK stocks led by Kathy Wood are down. The entire ARK ETF, the innovation fund was down 22% on the year, negative. Uh, again, like I'm invested in it and I'm also negative in some of those ETFs, but that's fine because it's a three, four, five year, uh, you know, invested. But the crazy thing that's really, I think it was fascinating. Kathy Wood, I talk about her every podcast, but she was recently interviewed and she said that she actually thinks there's a bubble in a lot of the spy uh, stocks, like a lot of these like stable, you know, stocks that are not innovating and not preparing for the future. She thinks it's a bubble there because they keep on growing up. And, you know, she said that the, the growth stocks are currently not in a bubble, obviously, because they've been down on the year, most of them, at least, at least in the tech space. So I just thought th th those were interesting factors. But yeah, to your question, the short term interest rates, the, the fear that they're rising and also the Omicron variant, you know, I feel like is affecting some of these names. But again, I, you can't really ever predict exactly what's going on in the market. Like you can't really truly understand it. But I feel like those are the two major factors at this point in time. For sure. So in terms of like crude oil, isn't it interesting that that's going up, even though EV is increasing like never before? I feel like it's short term trends, man, because like, you know, like the used cars crisis, right? It's not going to stay yeah. there forever. It's just like it's, it's just all of it. COVID packed, you know, supply chain, short term inflation, stimulus ending around the world, all these like the confluence of all these things, I feel like is creating these weird short term economic trends that we're not Dude. used to seeing in the last two years. Yeah, it's just it's really weird why everything happens at the same time, right? Why everything's happening at the same time. Like it's it's a bunch of stuff that shouldn't collide that's colliding, which is making other like resulting in other, you know, uh, aspects, um, you know, occurring. Right. Right. Like. But by, you know, crude oil increasing, that means, you know, wages are going to have to increase, which people are already shooting for anyway. But th that's my point. Right. Like things are just increasing instead of kind of stabilizing there's no like once wages increase right once minimum wage increases there is no going back okay there's not like you're gonna make 15 dollars now and then you're making 13 dollars next year like that makes no sense right and so things are just increasing and the stability is just setting at these higher prices right and um i don't necessarily think that's a good thing i mean it's it's literally the same thing as or is okay um it's literally the same thing as what was going on in like the 70s and 80s and how everything from then to now has increased like 20x and if you do the math everything turns out to be about the same price if you compare your wage to like prices and products but is that just means things are inflating that there was really no point for it and so it's just strange why everything's happening this wait way. no point for what for wages to increase if if costs are, are also going to increase because it's literally the same thing, right? If, if, you're, if you're here and now you're here, it's the same thing if you divide it by that ratio. Yeah, you just, yeah, but the costs are right. I mean, wages are increasing because one, the great resignation, have you guys heard of this term? Like a lot of people are just not joining the labor yeah, force, yeah. right? Because right. the wages, I mean, they think they should be paid more. And obviously like, so I think- we've Yeah, but okay, okay. Say the same thing happens next year, right? When mm -hmm. there's no public spending, say there's no public spending this year, right? Like there was a, a ton of public spending last year, but there's none this year. So in 2023, what's going to happen? Now everybody deserves to be paid $80,000 a year? Like- No, no, no. no. It's so not realistic. Is, so, so historically, since the 1980s, worker productivity has gone up and wages have remained stagnant. Like that's like, that's actual, like I- I think I've told, I, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but no, seriously, I think we've talked about this with Paul Niehaus. 
which the podcast I will release release soon about basic income, universal basic income. But since the 1980s, wages uh, have remained stagnant and worker productivity has risen. And so if we kept up wages with worker productivity, I think the minimum wage should be around $25 to $27 right now. Okay, well, what's gauging productivity? That's such like a broad term. Like in terms of the hours that workers per put in and the output that they create has gone up since the 1980s considerably and the average ceo income has gone up like 300 times so wages deserve in my opinion to be raised but you're right about the point if costs are going to increase right then wages going up doesn't really mean it's the minimum wage is going up it's just catching up with all the prices so you're back at that you know or vice versa right costs are are you know it, that's the thing, right? It doesn't matter what the, I mean, of course it matters. I'm, I'm a, I'm a libertarian, so I don't believe in the whole CEO thing. Right. But what I will say is, Wait, what do you regardless... mean? You don't believe in the whole CEO thing. What do you mean by that? If they're making 300. Okay. I don't want to get into that. Right. Let me, let me prove this point and then not prove this point, but like back my point up and then I can get into that later. Um, but just for this point, right. So regardless if the wages increase, right? Say, yeah, sure. Like the average worker deserves, you know, more than 15 bucks an hour. Say they deserve 20 bucks an hour. Sure. But the problem is, you know, head honchos at companies are gonna be like, okay, I'm paying them $20 an hour now. Now I need to compensate somehow. And so they compensate by either cutting costs, which, you know, can be decreasing their labor force and making some people do more work, which happens way more than off, way more often than one might believe in corporate America or increasing their service or product price, right? And if you increase your service or product price, that's exactly what we're talking about. Cost of living just increases. And so it's like this never ending thing where people think, oh yeah, great, I'm making $20 an hour, but damn it, milk just increased by $2 a gallon. And so it's just it's just this constant thing that will never end. And um, I think people just need to figure out different avenues to uh, make money. And by the way, which is happening. Did you know that? So, so side hustles have increased by over. So Americans, right? Everybody that's taken the survey in America, 70% of, I don't remember who it was by. I want to say CNBC or a CNN business or some, some, one of these, one of these major companies, right? They did a a mass survey and 70% of the uh, surveyors said that they are doing a side hustle and they're making money through a side hustle. So I thought that was extremely interesting because that, that's what I advocate for. I advocate for people, you know, finding a different avenue and making money that way rather than relying on, you know, their minimum wage increasing. Because let's be real, $15 an hour isn't much of a difference between $20 an hour in the grand scheme of things, okay? But if you go ahead and do si- a side hustle and you're making, you know, $3,000 a month making, doing whatever, you're, whether you're flipping couches or, you know, you're flipping Pokemon cards like people are doing, that makes a difference. And so, and, and that make that boosts your, you know, your own productivity, your own like morale. And so I, I think that's just the more effective route. So I think I, I disagree. You know this, I disagree with you on the minimum wage. Uh, I know, buddy, I know. Uh, but so, so there's so many things that you said that I just think, you know, I disagree with a lot. One of the things you said was like, there's a huge difference, man, between 15 and 20 for families, you know, who are living paycheck to paycheck. Right. So like, having that $5 per hour increase can be huge. And a lot of them are working, you know, 12 hour days, 13 hour days in some cases, and they don't have time to flip Pokemon cards. You know, they're working hard, man. And so, I mean, 
listen, I understand your point about, you know, creating economic opportunities for yourself. That's hundred percent true. We all should, you know, try our best to do that. But a lot of families just don't have the time or the resources to dedicate, you know, themselves to those opportunities. And secondly, why not? Uh, because they just don't have time. They're working 12, 13 hours a day. You know, I understand that, you know, at a job of their choice though, right? I mean, you can always go ahead and say, Hey, I'm going to shoot my resume out to 20 different companies a day. Like I literally did that for three months while I was working. Right. I mean, sure. I I don't have the bills that a lot of families do have. So I'll give you that. Right. Maybe, Maybe that's a little different, but I think where there's a will, there's a way with anything in life. And I don't think it's the government's job. I don't think us as citizens and consumers is is right to put the government on hold to say hey make companies pay us more money like i just don't think that's the role of the government i don't think that should be the role of the government so you don't that's think my there opinion. should be any basic minimum wage at I, all set by the federal government no that, that that's not what i'm saying like i understand like of course i mean if, if they're paying two dollars an hour like that makes no sense mm-hmm. but i think because we're currently at 15 in california i believe and uh right is that correct I don't think it's 15 yet. I think it's uh, or 13.75 12 or 13 or something like that. Yeah, 13.75 yeah. or or you know whatever. So you so in LA County it's for sure $15 an hour. I know that for sure. Um so it's like yeah, I mean the standard of living is now if you want to ratio it out cost of living compared to minimum wage, let's just say the cost of living is worth $15 an hour. Yeah, sure keep it at that, right? But let's not go ahead and continue to increase because when you increase your your costs, I mean or your price, not your price, sorry, your wage, your costs increase. And that's just my whole thing. It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense to me. I think there's way more avenues in life. I think one thing to keep in mind is like for, yeah, you, I think you're right. in that, you know, young, when when you're young and, you know, you're kind of educated, it's easier for us to, you know, go out, you know, put out our resumes, apply to different jobs, but, you know, just anecdotally, like I used to work at a, at a, fast food restaurant and there was like this old Spanish lady that used to work with me right and she just she could barely speak English you know um you know it's hard for her to like you know get new opportunities so you know for people there there are other people that are you know less educated less kind of or older you know you know less willing to learn new stuff I guess uh, as you become older you kind of you know you, you start becoming more um stagnant in your learning I guess no I can um, empathize with that I get it yeah uh, but so, I, I don't I don't uh, get yeah. why the minimum wage would increase though, because that just means the costs are just going to increase. Like it, that's what doesn't make sense to me. You're literally paying the same amount for the same wage, right? It's just inflating everything, which is actually bad for the economy and bad for the average consumer. It it just means our money in the bank, right? Our money in the bank, that's just sitting there. You have $10,000 today, say, I mean, in 10 years from now, that $10,000 will be worth 7,000. Like that. Why would you want to do that? If it's the same freaking thing, right? Like I just, that doesn't make sense to me. Do you know you what have the, a point to that? Do you know the, the federal minimum wages today? No, federal? that's bad. That that's $7 and seven dollars. Yeah. $7 and 25 cents and yeah. 19 States in the U S match yeah. that. So they're, you know, but their cost of living is beyond lower than our cost. It's of living. lower for sure. Way you lower. Know, it's lower, but let's like, let's like, let's uh, take Idaho, for example. Let's just say Idaho. Okay, okay, Idaho, and you have a family, right? These two people, middle-class family, they're both doing blue-collar jobs 12 hours a day, you okay. know, and they're probably making in, you know, uh, if they're doing minimum wage jobs and they're providing for three kids, you know, their utilities, uh, all their costs, I don't think $7.25 an hour is going to cut it, you know. 
for sure, they can create economic opportunities for themselves. But you also have to think about this, man. Not everybody has that willpower to change their current you know, state of mind. And that's also not our job. That's their problem. No, but, but, but the thing is, like, like I've said, if the worker productivity has continued to increase since the eighties and their wages have not matched that and corporate greed continues to go up, like back to your point, when you said, mm-hmm. you know, the CEO is going to cut costs. Why don't he, I, I didn't make a point about CEOs, not CEOs, but you were saying how the, if the minimum wage goes up for a company, they'll have to cut costs somehow. Right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. They don't so, have to, but they will. They will, right? So why don't they cut costs by, you know, maybe taking in lower profits and giving more to their workers and maybe cutting down their millions of dollars in salary, right? By a million or two and letting the workers have a little bit more money so that maybe they're able to, with that money, you know, create economic opportunity. That's That's totally fair, but that's unrealistic. Why is that? That'll never happen. Because that'll never happen. Corporate America, buddy. Big corps run America. Big corps run politicians. That's why the- But they run politicians. You're you're right. right? About, you're right about that's never going to happen. Realistically, corporate America won't do it. Yeah. That's why the federal government and the state governments are stepping in and increasing those minimum wages. Right. So no, that's no, but are they that, that's the thing, right? They I are. Mean, if they're raising but it, not really in California, they've continued yeah, in to California. Re- I mean, we're historically okay. the most democratic that's state. Why, yeah, that's one of the reasons also why you're absolutely right about a lot of states refuse to do it. That's why, you know, a lot of Democrats or progressive want the federal government to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. So states, you know, obviously have to comply with that federal guideline. So exactly that you're right about corporate America never doing that. That's what the federal government. But even what what you're forgetting here is that there's not going to be a mandate on how corporations deal with that. Mm -hmm. There's no mandate on that. And they're not going to be able to create a mandate on that because big corp won't allow They won't allow the politicians to do it. That's just what it is. What do you mean mandate? They won't allow, they won't pay their workers $15 an hour? No, what I'm saying is because you, like your point was, right? We, we instead of cutting costs by, you know, de- deleting a few uh, employees or, you know, increasing the product or service price, you said to, oh. um, what, what? We're not deleting any employees, right? We're, we're oh, not any <laughs> firing them, laying them off. <laughs> I didn't mean deleting them from the ecosystem, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's pretty funny, actually. But like point point being, right, instead of taking less profit in and giving the employees more money, that just won't happen. The government will not create like that law, not law, but like statute to do. It just won't happen. And so back to the point, it's irrelevant, right? Because the same thing's going to happen. Costs are going to increase. Prices are going to increase. And then just the whole cycle over again. So, I mean, I, I'm a believer in being realistic, right? I, of course, it'd be nice if everybody made $100,000 a year and costs stay the same, but that's just not realistic. Like, let's just be real. I mean, if people want to make $100,000, yeah, work your ass off, do it. It's never too late to go to college or it's never too late to start a business or, you know, learn a new skill, read a book. I mean, there's a, I've read quite a few books in the last year and I'm telling you, there is countless endless information out there that's just valuable that you can just apply to yourself and just make yourself a little better and they're not they're not tough reads by the way a lot of them aren't like if you read rich dad poor dad that's that's extreme i think it's like a third grade level reading but that's extremely valuable if you know nothing about the economy if you know nothing about like you know side hustles or working real estate market or working the stock market like that's a great basis rich dad poor dad is an insane basis for you 
So I just think that there's so much other opportunities rather than just blaming the government and telling the government to do X, Y, and Z rather than just take control of your life, you know, do something. That's what I'm a believer in. I don't believe in all this other stuff because it's not realistic. Yeah. You know, condensing down my point, all I was saying was that minimum wage has not kept up with inflation and that's not right. You know, so that's a disservice to the workers and sure workers can do more with their time. And, you know, according to who that's just a statistic. That's like, look it up. It's a fact. Like you can look up across all, uh, I don't know, studies. Uh, that's just a sad fact since the 1980s minimum wage has not kept up, kept up with inflation. And so in order to remedy that, the federal government, as you said, corporations are not going right to do it themselves. Okay. But can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. No, yeah, well, it's, I can hear you. Yeah, I was saying, so because you said a lot of corporations are not going to do that themselves, the federal government should step in. So that's just like my uh, belief and point. And um, yeah, people should take personal accountability and responsibility. But I think if you work 12 hours a day and do an honest work, you know, you should be able to provide for your family. Like you shouldn't struggle. You shouldn't struggle uh, trying to, you know, provide or put food on the table or, you know, suffer with rent. So that's just my opinion. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess agree to disagree. Yep. <laughs> All right. I want to talk about something uh, that was pretty interesting. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this uh, story that's happened a couple of years ago. Hey, Jenish, uh, can you please give some input about the economy? My input no, I'm just is... Kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just fake it till you make it, just like what I'm about to talk about. Um, Elizabeth Holmes, I don't know if you guys have heard of her. She's the infamous uh, CEO that pretty much faked it till she made it and then kind of uh, messed up everything. So a couple of years ago, uh, she founded a a company called um, Theranos, and it was a biotech startup. Um, And pretty much she said that she has created a technology that would allow a few blood drops to, you know, uh, see if there's any diseases or cancer within the individual or the patient, right? And this would be like a self-service machine. So everybody can use it. And this would, this would, this technology would have transformed, you know, all of uh, pharmacology um, and pretty much changed everything in the medical industry. And um, everybody was behind it. There was billionaires like Larry Ellison who founded, you know, Oracle and many other investors were putting billions of dollars into her company. And um, uh, by the age of 30, she was a billionaire. Um, and she, she pretty much faked all of this, by the way. Um, on a lot of her investor, you know, uh, pamphlets and stuff, she would put uh, stamps or logos of um, big companies like Pfizer without Pfizer even knowing. She never even contacted Pfizer. She would just put their logos and stuff and just made it, you know, make it seem like they, they, they backed uh, her company up. Um, eventually, everything was found out by journalists. They found out that she faked everything and uh, you know, she was pretty much um, gone uh, from the whole Silicon Valley ecosystem. She was just gone. And um, Recently, uh, there has been a trial where prosecutors spent 11 weeks with more than like 14 witnesses, and uh, they all laid out how Holmes knew her technology did not work as promised and misled investors. And now she uh, she ha- faces the possibility of you know going to jail uh, on the count of fraud. So um, I think that this is pretty crazy that 
um, you can even fake it till this point. Like it blows my mind that people can invest billions of dollars into you without even knowing what they're investing into. And that I feel like this trend has become more and more common. Like, I don't know if you guys remember this company called Nikola. It was like a, you know, a electric vehicle company or something like that. And they pretty much faked it till they made it. They, they pumped their stock. It went up to like $100 and then it all dropped. So I, I can't believe this is like a common trend and people are actually falling for this type of stuff. And um, I want to get you guys' thoughts on like, you know, the whole Silicon Valley environment of, uh, you know, you fake your startup, then you sell your company for millions of dollars, even though it's worth zero dollars. One thing, I have a question. Didn't this come up a couple years ago too? The same girl? No, no, no. It was the same girl. And it's for the same company. It's just yeah. now she was formally taken into trial and now she can actually gotcha. be put into jail. Okay. I, I hear what you're saying. So it, but it, a couple years ago, it was like announced, right? That it was a fraud or whatever. Now yeah, it's it was just announced. Trial. It, it's yeah. Now it's legals legality. <laughs> but yeah, gotcha. we, we all knew it, we all knew it was BS. Now it's for the legal system to point out that it was BS. You know, that's mad. And you know, what's more mad. She's probably going to get barely any time in prison. White collar crime is so like, it's insane how like little you get time in jail. Not only that, you're not going to normal prison, right? You're going to a white collar prison. That's, uh, I just think it's crazy, right? I think billions of dollars taken deserve some time in jail, right? Like that's not okay. And, um, she's probably going to get, I don't know. Is there a timeline on there? Have they set a timeline or Um, no, they haven't said any. No, they haven't set any timeline. Yeah, I'm thinking like, think dude, each of me like less than 36 months. No, no. So each of the counts that she was found guilty on carries yeah. a maximum sentence of 20 years. So I don't think the judge has done the sentence. And it, and it won't be 20 years, right? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. It, what the will, judge it will not be. Or... No. I doubt it will be 20 years. Um, 100% won't. It never it. is for and these also, guys. You... Enron was what? The guy for Enron was 18 months? Like that was huge. That was the same equivalent, right? It was about $4 billion that was taken for, from Enron. Yeah, no. the, the, like the defense is pretty much saying that she the defense is pretty much saying that she invested in herself and uh, it was uh, it just failed the company <laughs> failed there was nothing more to that it was just that simple <laughs> you, know what's, you know what else though this is also kind of crazy um i don't know if she, they're doing it to get more favor and give her less time or i don't know why they're doing this right now or maybe it was real i don't i can't make any assumptions but um she is also uh filing charges against her ex uh boyfriend who was a part of the company as well. Uh, let me I see her name. Her name was Balwani. It was uh, okay. Ramesh Balwani, right? Um, so she's also uh, blaming the uh, Balwani and said that she, uh, you know, uh, sexually assaulted her and stuff like that. And he forcefully denied all of this, by the way. But she, he, she's kind of uh, trying to blame maybe his boy her boyfriend as well for some of this stuff so i don't know if this is just to get more favor towards her or or what that is for maybe it really did happen but i also found that pretty interesting so check this out so she worked for hp back in 2014 and same thing that she's getting uh appealed for not appealed for but she's getting um convicted for right now wire fraud she was convicted for wire fraud and she pled guilty uh, and she actually served in Victorville for 13 months back in 2014. So check that out. Like people don't change, right? You just adapt and overcome. And and she thought she could do it again and succeed. And unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, she did it. Not unfortunately. Fortunately, she didn't succeed. Are you sure she worked for HP? Because I thought she was right working Hewlett on Theranos. Packard. 
Really, Elizabeth Holmes. Wow. I thought she started in 2005, right? And she continued it on until uh, until uh, that. Uh, Wait, no, let, let me double check unfolded. this article. Yeah, I don't think she ever worked for HP because as far as I remember, she stopped. Things kind of stopped in 2017 or 2018. Um, but I was reading this article and according to a Stanford law professor, she'll probably face like one to three years in prison only. So, you know, <laughs> it's nothing close to the maximum sentence of 25, uh, 25, 20 years that each of the counts carries. But I think the most interesting Wait, thing, sorry, it, it wasn't, it wasn't her. It, it was her prison consultant, Holly Coleman. Yeah. That, that's who it was. Sorry. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Cause I was like, no, I don't think she ever worked at HP cause she was always. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that too, because she graduated, um, I mean, she didn't graduate. Sorry, she dropped out of college herself when she was year, nineteen, right? And yeah. Founded, yeah, and and then she founded Theranos, which should have been a big kind of red flag because someone with us, I don't imagine like a sophomore of a dropping out creating like some revolutionary um, biotech. Uh, Bill Gates you know, invention. Bill, I mean, not biotech. No, but. no, no, but that that that's that's different because she was she wasn't even majoring in biotech. She she, she right. didn't have that much experience in any of that and. And that's completely different from software. If she, you know, if it was like a software, it'd be different. But this, the this requires like a lot of resources and like it's like a physical invention, right? So it's it's a bit uh, much for I feel like for someone you know who's a sophomore um, launching a company. But I don't, I don't. Maybe Fair. it's still possible. But I, hey, I would but kind of you know, be uh, <laughs> if I was an investor, I would kind of be more you know, um, yeah, you know, making more sure weary, of course. Yeah. Hey, but Bloomberg says she's a very disciplined woman. Right here. Holmes is Whoa. no stranger to a disciplined life, according to documents presented at her trial. From 2005 to 2009, described a daily routine of waking at 4 a.m., meditating, and then eating whey and a banana for breakfast. Hey, man. You know, you she's know, a disciplined you lady. Know she was, she was, um, she, her biggest inspiration was Steve Jobs. Hence, she wore that turtleneck. The yeah. Turtleneck and stuff. Really? And I find it, I find it funny because, you know, Steve Jobs, to an extent, he had that fake it till you make it mentality. But he actually delivered because yeah. I don't know if you guys, if you, if you, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but on the first ever iPhone demo, um, all this, the, they didn't have the, um, they didn't have the touch functionality working properly for the iPhone demo. So pretty much the coders in the back, they had to hard code everything. So uh, on the, on like the display, pretty much when Steve Jobs would move the, uh, like to, the slider to unlock his phone, it, it wasn't actually moving due to uh fingerprint it was all hard coded in it was like a video playing and he was just following it so he literally faked it he on the on the big stage but then he actually delivered later on so it all worked out but i feel like you can take it to a certain extent but if you just fake the whole freaking company then i mean you're just you're literally just doing nothing you know definitely it, mad it's i think the weird thing about theranos i think you mentioned is was like her strategy was getting just like these big names and these big people on her board we did like an analysis in our business class about what went wrong with Theranos. And she had Henry Kissinger sit on her board. Henry Kissinger was a former secretary of state of the United States under Nixon, uh, I believe it was. So like, and Henry Kissinger is a really big diplomat, but what does a diplomat know about biotech? You know, so she had like all these big names on her board just for show. And she's kind of a psychopath. I don't, did you, do you guys know about the chief scientist at Theranos and how he killed himself? So Ian Gibbons, he, you know, was like one of the first hires that Holmes made. 
and he grew really weary of a lot of the inaccuracies in Theranos' tech. And he, you know, he used to bring it up to Elizabeth Holmes. And then one day, I'm not a hundred percent, you know, familiar with the exact details of the story, but the short, the short end of it is that, you know, he was scared that he was going to get fired and he eventually, uh, you know, killed himself. Uh, so, and, and, and the thing is when Whoa. he killed himself, when he killed himself, let me just read it from this business insider article. When he killed himself, Rochelle, the guy's wife, Ian Gibbs, Ian Gibson's wife called Holmes's office to explain what had happened. Quote, the secretary was devastated and offered her sincere, you know, condolences. But when she told Rochelle, um, she told Rochelle Gibbons that she would let Holmes know immediately. But a few hours later, rather than a condolence message from Holmes, Rochelle, his wife, instead received a phone call from someone at Theranos demanding that she immediately return any and all confidential Theranos property. So she didn't even have the decency to, you know, give condolences to the wife of his chief scientist who, mind you, killed himself because he was scared he was going to get fired. And he brought up concerns about this tech and inaccuracies to her repeatedly. So she's a psychopath. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it makes sense. That, that is scary. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, imagine wait, that. Imagine for work, working for a company that you actually like, there's some belief in it, right? Like you, you believe in it because of what this lady is saying and yeah. later finding out, like going through the research and kind of doing your due diligence that everything's kind of a hoax. Like that's pretty scary. Right. And then finding yeah. out she's later a psychopath or sociopath, whatever you want to call her. I mean, that's pretty mad. I mean, it's I don't think it's means to kill sure. yourself. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's means to kill himself, but I, 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 that sucks. I don't know what was going through his head, man. Like I have no right. idea. Maybe it was just guilt. That's tough. Maybe he was just like, you know, guilty. guilty? Like, and yeah, maybe feel, feeling guilty because he is a chief medical or chief tech officer or something along those lines. Right. So I don't yeah. know. It could be a host of things, but that's the thing that's scary. Like one person can mislead seasoned investors and lead them into investing in something that's a complete fallacy. I mean, that's just like so Same. crazy to I me. Mean, one person can lead a whole nation to believe. <laughs> that's history, true, man. Right? We've seen this in history. Of course, they could do it with the company if they could do it with the whole nation. I guess it goes back to what he said, right, Matt? When you have will, you can yeah. do pretty much. <laughs> yeah, anything. when there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> oh my! It's God. so true. It's so true. It's it's honestly insane how much con like confidence will take you literally anywhere you want, right? As long as you're confident and you, I have a, I have a saying where I think perception is is one of the most important things. The way people perceive you is the way you're gonna come off, right? And and the way per people perceive you is going to be your outcome in life right because people are in charge of whether your product is good or not whether your service is good or not whether they want to work with you or not whether they want to give you the job or not so really everything in life is based off of your persona and your perception to these people and you know you come off as a confident person they're going to treat you that way they're going to treat you like you know what you're talking about and so um it's pretty it's insane it's insane how much it'll take you how far it'll take you um Thank God that, you know, they saw through this stuff and I hope she goes to uh, prison for a long time because that shit is not uh, good, I feel like. And people like her should not be, you know, making businesses and, you know, leading, falsely leading people to invest and, you know, ruin their lives for her yeah. cause, I guess. So I was also wrong about something. I um, just want to clear it up real quick. Generally, like financiers that come off from like Ponzi schemes or like fraudulent charges, they usually get a lot of time. But 
one of the big guys, Bernie Madoff, he is, he actually served, I mean, he got 150 years in prison. So that was definitely not typical. Um, he died 12 years into it. Um, but he did get 150 years, which is pretty insane. And I believe it was an actual, it was an actual prison too. It wasn't like a, uh, white collar prison maybe yeah. maybe because it why do you think that is do you think it was because like the size of the case because obviously that was one of the biggest cases in history yeah you, well that's because he was literally the biggest like one of the biggest con men in history like, like yeah the biggest i mean his ponzi scheme was like worth 65, 65. billion yeah. yeah so i mean you know if it was any guy that was going to get that kind of treatment it was this guy so but you're right about well I mean, this is pretty hefty as well yeah I would say this is, like, it is. 10 billion plus dollars yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 for sure it's also pretty but it isn't it is like in a whole silicon valley frame so it's like you know yeah. maybe it'll be less it's not as much uh well it is conning but like it's but either it's, way right i mean she only yeah, she only got yeah. guilt uh she not pled i don't think she pled guilty but she, or i think she pled guilty for three of the 12 accounts and that's what they're convicting her for and each yeah. of the count like he said was 20 years so maximum 60 years and then good behavior, she'll probably serve like 20 to 25 if it's maximum, right? That's maximum. So likeliness is that it's not going to be maximum and it, it'll definitely be under like 10 years. I don't, I think she got, I don't think she pled guilty. I know, right? She I think she got convicted. Yeah. yeah. So she was convicted of four of the charges out of the 12. Mm. So Th three, yeah. I just read. Yeah. A three or four, either one. But yeah, like so she maintained her innocence, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, I mean, what Jenish cited, the the, med the meditation part, how she was talking about how she wakes up at 4 a.m., has a really disciplined, regimented diet or process, yeah. morning routine. That, that doesn't matter. You can still be a fraud and, you know, hey, man, take care of yourself. Bloomberg doesn't lie, okay? They're the only news source out there that's true to the <laughs> word, okay? They're, they're the media. All right, let's uh, – do you guys want to transition into the metaverse real estate and we'll end at that? Yeah, let's, let's end at that. So okay, I mean, so explain to I us like what's it. happening. Uh, the whole real estate in the metaverse, virtual world, like what does that even mean? To me, it's it's extremely bizarre, and I, I'm very mixed. I have very mixed feelings about the metaverse. I personally don't think I will ever participate in the metaverse. I just, I don't see like I don't. I mean, I guess I've never used an Oculus, so I guess I don't see like the sensation of being in a virtual world when I can be in the real world. Um, and, and do real things that are actually human. Uh, but regardless, what the metaverse is, is basically, I mean, we all know what it is, right? It's a virtual space. And in this virtual space, it, I mean, essentially it's a free roam game, right? Like you can buy stuff, you can do what you want. You can be the avatar that you want to be. You can have the house that you want to be. And maybe the stuff you're not capable of having in real life, right? And so I get the appeal to some people um, you know, they just want to put the goggles on and just like get lost. And so that's what they do. They just get lost in this virtual reality where they could be somebody better than, you know, maybe their real life self is. Um, but regardless, right now what's happening is so NFTs kind of started this whole ploy where you kind of buy a virtual, a, a virtual space of a product. I mean, typically it's been art, right? So what we've seen is we've seen art. Um, in, in the forms of monkeys, we've seen art in the forms of, you know, Michael Jordan slamming a uh, slam dunk. And so they're selling these pieces of art for a lot of money. And that's a, that's a space of the digital realm. And regardless, I mean, same, same as all, right? I mean, the real estate space in it, there, there's a set limit of space you can have in this metaverse. And in that space, people are acquiring property and they're acquiring land. 
and they think it's going to be worth some value later on that, or else people wouldn't buy it. Right. If it's not going to make them more money um, as some of these investors, at least. Uh, but I think that's the crazy part that people are acquiring fake land in a fake world where people will go into as fake people to do fake things. It's just a really crazy concept. I know a lot of people but are saying everything- it's not, good is that everything is fake then that's real you know what i mean hey man you're right i don't know i think it was heidegger what do you say if the uh if the tree falls in the forest does it really make a sound type of thing right like if nobody's there to see it or if everybody's there to see it then maybe it is real and if majority okay. of people are there then majority of people believe it's real and it is real but um I, I think it's yeah, bold. <laughs> I think I think it's okay. People can go in the metaverse and be the person they want to be, and that's honestly okay to me because, like, I'm a person. I like to travel. I like to do things. I like to have real experiences that I can take to my grave with, right? You know, maybe on my in my deathbed, I could be thinking back about experiences that I've had, and I value that a lot. And I value like real relationships a lot, um, and like you know, talking to real people. And you know, maybe some people will get value from talking to real people in a fake world. But um, not to me. And I think it's okay because that means less people will be traveling, less traffic on the streets because people will be having their goggles on in their house. And that's all good to me. So people do what you want and I'll do what I want. What what do you guys think about this whole real estate thing? I I, I think it's absurd, but um, I I understand the appeal, I guess. So I haven't looked into it that much, but how do I apply to be like a virtual broker? I want to try to do that, you know? show people the virtual show different properties you know in the virtual world make some hey man, money you're on the thinking, side, you're side thinking. hustle, side hustle right <laughs> um that's I a think, good one that's honestly a good one i don't know i'm sure there will be brokers eventually and people to constitute what's allowed in the metaverse and what isn't can you imagine that like how do you how do you even like <laughs> wow it's so fascinating i don't know if it's fascinating but it's well it's definitely interesting. the thing is there's like for all these virtual worlds there's gonna be like one big company who's gonna be kind of the owner of the whole worlds, I guess, if that makes sense. So they'll be pretty much controlling everything that's happening or Dude, they can imagine control that? everything that's happening. Facebook owning one world and then just say like hypothetically, right? Amazon owning another world and you can like go from one world to another world like it's Mars and Earth. <laughs> yeah. I, I, no, no, no. I feel like, uh, no, no. I, I, I feel like it, there's going to be multiple worlds in like, I don't know. Maybe I'm like abstracting it too much, but I feel like there's gonna be like multiple worlds in each world, or each like. So if it's like Facebook or Meta has their own world, there's gonna be like different like you know planets or like you know dimensions or whatever in that world, right? But um, I don't know. I think this. I, I mean, I honestly, I was always think like I used to. I I game a lot, or I used to game a lot when I was younger. I always think the idea of like the metaverse is pretty cool. It's like something you can go into, you know, have some like cool experiences maybe it's like fun to walk around and do stuff i don't think it's i don't think it'll be like anytime soon like be a replacement for real life i think it'll just be like a source of entertainment you go in you know you have fun it's like a video game you go in you do stuff you you know you meet people um i you know i I don't know if it's gonna get that extreme where it's like that's like a you're living a whole nother life in there or something like that maybe that that will happen at some point but um, I, generally, I think it's a cool idea. And this whole real estate thing, I think it's just like another, you know, it's just another thing that comes with this whole metaverse. And, you know, more stuff's going to come like that. You know, you know, after real estate, they're going to have like, I don't know, maybe they have like food or something where you can like taste food. I don't even know. Like, 
they'll have different like you know things that they add in the metaverse so i, I think it'll be pretty cool my problem was... go, go ahead go ahead my, my whole problem is like what value is the metaverse creating for humans instead of just pure entertainment as an or as an escape like maybe i'm just ignorant but i feel like the metaverse Yo, that's the value that's the value. Entertainment? entertainment and escape yeah, why do we make movies? What value does it provide? No, 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 no. That's that makes sense. That's an that's, art, right? That's yeah, an that's art. like an art form. But as a meta, like I feel like uh, living in the metaverse, people who will, I don't know, people who I can't like, I don't want to make assumptions, but it feels like people who are not happy with their current lives would completely live in well, the metaverse and like you know have live in a will. VR world. Constantly. I think I think I think you guys are just thinking of like extreme examples, like do yeah there's some people that are on facebook all day like 24 hours a day that's their life Dude, I but, think there's a lot or, more than uh, we think that are just on social yeah. media i think there's a lot yeah like imagine how people true. like just don't leave the house like there's a lot of people that just don't leave the house right a lot of kids that just don't leave the house and all they're doing like if you see some of these people's screen times like i've seen a few people's screen times and i'm just like how are you on there 16 hours yeah. a day, right? And you sleep eight hours. Like you're literally on there 24, I mean, not 24 seven, but your entire waking life. Like that's absurd. And that's what's happening. I mean, yeah, that could happen. That That is a possibility, but I don't think it's going to be as extreme as you guys are praising it right now. Everybody's just living in the metaverse. I think it's going to be a source of entertainment. People are going to go. It's going to be like a video game. I feel like people are going to go in there, you know, maybe meet their friends, their like avatars. talk. Buddy, with them, you're a you believer know. in Nietzsche. How are you? How are you OK with this? It's an I'm escape. It's like, Escapes aren't OK. It's a, it's entertainment, man. It's fine. Like uh, everything is the escape like that humans do. Like, I feel like a lot of things that we do is an escape. Like I think like For watching sure. TV, watching movies, that's that's a form of escape. And um I don't know. I just feel. I just feel like. But, but okay. Like but I. What I will games. say, man, about like, about watching movies and TV shows. I feel like the most interesting part is talking to people that have also seen it, and that creates like some like symbiotic relationship. They're like, you guys are like cool. With, I mean, you guys both agree on something, and you guys talk about it, and then that conversation leads to other things, right? Like just like we we're talking about Succession. Like that's that's a pretty big TV show, and I mean, there's real world problems in the film in the in the in the tv show right and me and even we're talking about it and you know or we talk about like marvel right like sure it's entertainment but it, like it also like provokes thought-provoking conversation sometimes how, how well, maybe how the met we... metaverse might do that i don't know um we don't know what's gonna happen like we don't we i think right now we don't have a basic framework of what it's gonna look like after a couple of years we're gonna have like a basic framework of how it's gonna be inside then it's gonna make more sense like i feel like a couple of years ago if you told someone about tiktok i don't know maybe it wouldn't have made sense like 10 years ago but you know now it makes sense like it's just like oh there's videos and stuff That's so fair. i feel like i feel like just with time we'll, we'll see we'll see what it's like if it is that extreme where it's like everybody's just staying in it that, that will be a pretty pretty crazy I, I that wouldn't be that healthy in my opinion but um you know i i always liked enjoy i enjoyed playing video games video games fun i like you know watching tv and the, all that stuff it's kind of like Maybe like the metaverse is like an interactive way of doing that. You know, maybe like, uh, you know, you can watch a movie with your friends in there. There's like a place you go to and you watch a movie there and it'll be like interactive thing you do in a virtual world. Why wouldn't you want to see something. them in real life? And do the same I, I don't know, man. Thing. Maybe maybe you can meet like new people from like different parts of the world that you wouldn't be able to. And like, you know. Like Omegle? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. You know, like there's so many possibilities like uh, in, in the whole like metaverse, I think. 
I think there's a lot of possibilities, and I think if they do it right, it'll be a cool concept. And um, I hope I hope Meta, uh, Meta, I can't say Facebook anymore. I hope they don't try to make it. I mean, I I know they're gonna do this, but they're gonna try to make it as addictive as possible, just like Facebook or Instagram or anything. So I feel like that would they're gonna push it to extremes and make it a little unhealthy. But you know, I think it's up to people to not fall into those like um, addictive habits and patterns. Yeah. But yeah. I was listening to a podcast today and I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, you, you know, meet Kevin, right? Uh, him and, and, and Graham stuff. Honestly, everybody should go w- watch that episode. The newest episode of uh, the ice coffee hour with Graham Stefan and meet Kevin not sponsored. Like, I don't know these guys. Like it doesn't matter whether I say this or not. It was honestly extremely informative. If you're just like interested in anything business and it was really like, like helpful, right. Just to like know, and a lot of tax, like talks and it was really cool. But regardless, uh, me, Kevin spoke about the metaverse and how he was kind of against it because just kind of what I was saying, like, I don't want to be in this fake world, but he said that it, it'd be interesting instead of like sitting down and like watching a TV show, kind of what you're saying, right? Instead of watching a TV show with his girl, he can go or his wife, I don't know if it's his girl, um, his wife, him and his wife can go visit the Great Wall of China for, you know, some time. And he said that that might be interesting. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I, I don't value going to visit the Great Wall of China in a fake world. It's completely different, um, wh- which leads me to if you guys, I mean, I could I could talk about it now or I could talk about it after. Do you have another um, thing to talk about for metaverse? No, go ahead. No. Go ahead. Man. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So the, there's a book I'm reading called Anthropocene Reviewed by um, John Green. And it's so so it's a really good book. It, it's extremely interesting. He gives a lot of anecdotes about life. Um, and he's just a really great author. He's able to shift it from like you feeling happy and laughing at what he's saying to like a despairing moment in his life. And I just think it's, it's, it's pretty artistic the way he's able to write and, you know, express himself. But, um, he, there was this one chapter called, uh, sniff and uh, stick sniff stickers or uh, sniffing stickers. You know, the ones where you scratch and sniff those scratch and sniff stickers, stickers. I mean, have you seen those? where you scratch them and it smells like strawberries or watermelon or whatever. Right. So he was talking about that. And the funny thing is you're scratching and sniffing it and it's supposed to be a banana, right? It smells nothing like a banana, but it makes you think it's a banana, right? Like when you think of a banana, you probably think of the smell that the scratch and sniff gave you rather than the actual banana smell or like, you know, other things like the way rubber smells it, like it doesn't really smell like rubber, but it's the idealized depiction of it. And so, you know, going to visit the Great Wall of China in this metaverse, it's not the real Great Wall of China, right? I mean, it's not going to smell like the Great Wall of China. It's not going to, like, feel like the Great Wall of China. But, I mean, that might be your depiction of it. Now, that might be your perception, and and that's what – you can go visit the Great Wall of China, but your depiction will be what you're seeing in your goggles all the time. That's more realistic than – you know, going to visit actually. And I just thought that was super interesting how humans, even though we know something's not true, we continue to like think it's true and we convince ourselves that it's true just because we're seeing it. Like our eyes deceive us all the time, right? With almost everything. Um, But yeah, I I thought that was interesting. You guys should read the book and it kind of relates to a lot. I think it relates to a lot of things in life that you might not think are so relatable. But yeah. Anthropocene reviewed. 
Also, I think I think with the metaverse, I'm I'm not uh you know I'm pretty confident that people will use it extensively, right? And it's gonna become popular. And, and like you said, it's just gonna be uh, an escape for a couple hours. For some people, it might be ten hours, twelve hours, right? Their entire day. But I think it's just not healthy, like Matt said, to live our lives that way. To live in an alternative reality that uh, we're using purely as a means of escape instead of, you know, addressing our problems in the real world, we're using it um, as a means to an end. So uh, ethically, I don't know if, if, if that's the right thing to do, but most certainly people will start to embrace it more in the next, you know, two to five years. So it's definitely going to happen and we'll see. I mean, it's just, this is like a better social media. That's how I'm thinking about it. It's just like a more interactive social, social media for us. Yeah, it's social not good for us. Yeah. It's just not. It's not. But so, I feel a like be, so a better social media would be even worse. Is that for more us, addictive? Right? Yeah, it would yeah. be worse. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree. But I'm yeah. saying, for those people who are, um, I, I guess you guys are right in that, like you know, a lot of people will get addicted to this type of stuff, and you know, kids will be on there constantly, and I think that is bad. But I think the concept and the technology behind it's going to be pretty cool, and um, as long as you know, you're people are aware and they're not going to be, but hopefully we are that, you know, that, you know, we don't want to spend your whole life in there and, you know, you're not going to just freaking, you know, uh, waste your life doing this in a freaking virtual world. You'll be fine. It'll be like a cool experience. You can do, you know, like we could watch TikTok videos. It's for like 30 minutes. It's fine. Right. Same thing. I think we can go in the virtual world, be cool, whatever. There. Also, I think it's, they're going to develop it so efficiently and it's going to be so good then when people try it, it's going to be so hard to say no. And I think exactly. all three of us are biased because we haven't really tried it, right? I'm sure we'll like it, but I don't know if we'll want to make of it. Of course we'll like it. We'll probably yeah. love it, right? We'll probably, we'll probably love, it. love it. And people but will fall into that trap. Yeah, it's going to be hard it's to discipline. Sure. It's discipline, right? And like yeah. knowing that it's not real. Just like what you're saying, Ibrahim, like it's an escape. And I think the longer you – I mean, I'm a firm believer. The longer you suppress your your issues – the harder it gets and the more difficult it becomes and the more problems arise. And I think that's all it is. I think that's all really social media is um, just like suppressing. Uh, but you know, that's the, that's well, the reality I, we live in. I mean, some aspects of social media is like pretty fun. Like I think memes are cool. I think like sending yeah, it's funny. like, yeah, memes are funny. I think like, you know, like some Instagram pages are cool. Like they post cool stuff, you know, I, like, not, not everything is about it is just like you know degenerate or like <laughs> maybe not what bad, i do yeah. like about social media is like i think it provides like there's some things that just provide a lot of value right and, and like i, I think what i do like about it is i get a lot of those motivational speeches and i would never have heard them if it wasn't for like tiktok and i think like some of the like when, when you hear steve harvey talk or steve jobs talk some of them are like really uh what's it called like deep like there were deep deep in like the documents right like nobody really knew about it and like you, they then posted because they found it and then it's like spread out like i would never heard like certain steve jobs um interviews or like certain things that these guys these head guys are saying that actually provide real value so i think that's a cool thing about social media i think it just comes down to balance with anything if you balance even with the upcoming metaverse that people embrace and even with social media, if you balance it out, you know, it can be beneficial for you. But again, most people are not able to balance things and they tend to waste their time on things that are entertaining or easy to access or easy to use. 
And uh, that's what's going to happen with metaverse. But again, if you balance it out, if you use it responsibly, you know, it's probably uh, a good thing. Maybe it'll add value to your life. But, you know, I don't I'm not sure if that's going to happen for the overall population across the world. So we'll see what happens. It's a good note. And go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Just the last point. I'm just excited to see what it's going to look like, because, you know, I think I feel like we are all imagining the metaverse in like a different way a little bit. You know, I'm kind of imagining as like a game sort of way. Maybe you guys have a different view about it, but I want to see what the final product's like and if it's actually going to live up to how we're thinking about it. Yeah, I feel like with new technologies, people are all, all, always, you know, dubious about them and maybe some, in some instances, rightly so. But when people start to see the value and when we see consumers embrace it, you know, minds change, things t- change and habits change. And then, you know, the, the, the change just evolves and it becomes like a normal part of life. So it's probably what's going to happen with metaverse as well. But yeah, we'll see. Any other last thoughts? That's all for me. All right, man. Uh, good talk. We'll end the podcast on this note. And hopefully we'll see you guys next week. Take care.